1: Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Amen. Okay, I'm going to talk on manifesting the DNA of Jesus. I talked a little bit about this on Friday, but I'm going to go a little further. So uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask your blessings upon this uh, revelation to all our brethren out there, and uh, that it flow very good, and everybody understands, and gets excited like I am. <laughs> Amen. So a lot of sickness going on out there right now, spread all over the country. Actually, it's all over the world. We've talked to people in different parts of the world. You know that the same thing's going on there, so obviously it's being sprayed from the air. It didn't even have time to be uh, traverse the world in the normal ways, you know. It's no doubt uh, chemtrailing. Um, you know what they're after. We've all discovered what they're after. They want to change the mind of the world and change the DNA of the world and uh, into something that is transhuman. So, But God has the cure. And the cure is uh, given to us in many verses that we've studied. And it is that we have inherited Jesus' DNA. We've inherited it now. It's given to us now. But it's going to be manifested in the first fruits very soon. So, Jesus is, of course, called the Father of Eternity. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." So, of course, this Everlasting Father is also translated Father of Eternity, just as easily, because he is the Father of Eternity. The first Adam was, of course, the Father of our physical life. Uh, He made many sons of men, but the last Adam is uh, the Father of the eternal life, and he makes sons of God. Amen. Amen. And we are receiving the DNA of God. Amen. So, in the parable of the sower, in Matthew 13, Jesus sowed the seed of his word in the hearts of men. Uh, In some places in the larger text there, the word seed is translated sperma. So, we see that it is his life that he is sowing in us, literally in our hearts. And uh, he is our spiritual father. He is the father of eternal life, the father of eternity. Amen. So since this is true, we have inherited his DNA. If you have his life, you have his DNA. So what scientists have discovered is uh, being changed uh, by the vaccine plague uh, is the DNA, cre- creating this extra helix in your DNA, which again is is creating transhumans. Uh, the people who stay this way are definitely members of the beast body. That's the purpose of this. But God has a cure for this at this particular moment. Um, those who believe the gospel can be delivered from anything. In any abnormality, uh, we look in the mirror and we see Jesus, and that is what we get, right? It doesn't matter what men do. God has the cure. So, through faith in God's Word, we are delivered from this curse. And that's what Galatians 3 and 13 tells us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree so in effect he exchanged our cursed life for his blessed life amen hallelujah and if people get that revelation they know what their rights are they can stand in the face of the devil and and uh, rebuke him you know this exchange is called uh, reconciliation and uh, translated from the word katalasso, uh, in context, this means the exchange of Christ's life for ours, which, of course, includes his DNA, right? The exchange of Christ's life for ours. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, and you being in time past alienated in your and enemies in your mind and in your evil works, yet now hath he reconciled or exchanged in the body of his flesh through death. To present you holy and without blemish, there's our inheritance through Jesus, right? The new DNA. To present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him, if so be that you continue in the faith. There's the condition. Uh, You can't be double-minded. You can't see your old face in the mirror and uh, then turn and see Christ's face in the mirror. You have to accept the gospel and you have to confess the gospel, the good news that you don't live anymore. Jesus lives in you, right? So while we do that, he is able to bring us blemishless and unreprovable before him. And verse 23 goes on to say, If so, be that you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which is your firm expectation, the word hope means, which you heard and which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a minister." And, of course, uh, Paul also spoke of us being ministers of reconciliation because we point other people to the gospel and we tell them, no, this is who you are now because you were crucified with Christ and your old flesh was put to death. And even when you got baptized, baptized, you went under the water of the Word of God by faith and the Word of God put to death your old man and gave you the life of Christ, right? Amen. So this reconciliation or exchange is pointed out when Paul says that we don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. So that's faith, right? Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Amen. So Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Here's the good confession, right? I have been crucified with Christ. If you keep talking yourself into trouble, you're going to get there. But this is how you get out of it. I have been crucified with Christ. You don't have to be anxious or trouble. Um, You can believe, and God will give you grace and power. And it is no longer I that live. There's the reconciliation. But Christ living in me. There's the DNA, the new DNA. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He made the exchange. He gave his life for our life. So, since it is Christ living in us, we have his DNA. Okay. Paul explains how enlightened. Saints exchange their DNA for the Lord's through faith. In that Second Corinthians 3 and 18 I mentioned. But we all with an unveiled face. In other words, if you have true understanding and discernment. Uh, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, that's the gospel in a nutshell, I call it, because it's all right there. The the exchange, uh, you receiving his life, your life being nailed to the cross, and uh, we were crucified with Christ, right? So so the exchange was made, and we have to hold fast to the confession of our hope that it waver not, for he is faithful, the promised. We're accepting this by faith, and that's the way the Lord's going to bring it to pass. Only the faithful, it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian, it is, are you believing the gospel? Are you being faithful to the gospel? So when we partake of the bread and the wine at the Lord's Supper, we, by faith, are partaking of His body and blood and we have his life in ourselves, which incorporates his DNA. Since Jesus is the word made flesh, when we spiritually digest his word, not just eat it like a hog, as I've mentioned before, uh, swallow it whole and don't really know what it said, because there's a lot of people quote the word and they don't even know what it's saying. So, when we spiritually digest His Word, we are partaking of His DNA because you are what you eat, right? And the Word is Jesus, right? And so when you eat that, you're eating Jesus. In fact, He said in John six fifty three through 57 Jesus therefore said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. And drink his blood. You have not life, that's his DNA, in your cells. Now I, I I got to tell you most Christians are not doing this. They've done it to an extent to have a born again spirit, but we have to have a born again soul. That's where we bear fruit in the area of the soul, which is your mind, will and emotions. And the Lord wants to change those. Uh, by what's already in your born-again spirit, right? So as you submit to that born-again spirit, which is submitted to the Lord's spirit, the Lord can do this work, right? Verse 54 goes on to say, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. That is that DNA. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, and I in him. Now a lot of people didn't understand that. As a matter of fact, uh, quite a few picked up and moved because they just couldn't understand. How are we going to do this? Okay, okay. So, but we are understanding it and what it means. Uh, reading on, verse fifty-seven says. Um, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he that eateth me, he also shall live because of me. So notice, eating his flesh and drinking his blood gives us his life, which incorporates his DNA. The uh, life of the flesh is in the blood. And, of course, if we're talking about the blood of Jesus, and it's in the blood of his body, believe it or not. Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. In other words, you have a blood covering as long as you hold fast to the confession of the gospel. Now, if you confess yourself as an old sinner. And then that's what you're going to be. But you were saved. There's a difference. Okay. And some people don't believe that. They believe you're always going to be a sinner, and that's what they preach, so that's what they get. Okay. That's where their faith is, right? But, uh, we were delivered from sin. He made you free from sin, the Bible says. Now, that's what, that's a spoken word of faith. It doesn't matter about what your natural man looks like, it matters what jesus looks like when you look at him in the mirror right you get this revelation as you study the word of god and put it into your heart for it is the blood that maketh atonement by reason of the life okay so we have this covering because we accept it by faith amen and when we were born of the flesh our fallen parents our dna was corrupt and became more so as we grew up in in sin, right? And when we partake of Christ's DNA through faith, we begin to reverse this process. This begins with a born-again spirit and continues to take over the soul through our obedience to the truth, Peter said. So, some people say you don't have to obey. Well, that's not bearing fruit, is it? No, not at all. So we were told that the Lord would return in these last days as the latter rain on this morning of the third day, which is the third thousand years, right? And uh, Hosea 6, 1 through 3 says, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn. Yes, we've all been torn. We've all experienced the curse. And judgment, right? And he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. So he's coming to fix us, right? After two days, that's after 2,000 years, will he revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live before him. And let us know, let us follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is as sure as the morning. So now it's the morning of the third day, which is where we are now, the beginning of that third thousand years. And he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain that watereth the earth. This is how he's going to come. It says so right here. Um, Yes, the preachers are wrong. Uh, This is how he's coming pre-trib, okay? And, uh, of course, we know he's coming post-trib, too, and uh, in his fullness. And uh, he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain that watereth the earth. We were promised in these last days when the former and latter rain of the Spirit of God is poured out, that there will be a restoration of all the years of degeneration. Joel said in two twenty-three through 26, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he giveth you the former rain and just measure, and he causes to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Oh, praise the Lord. This wonderful restoration he's getting ready to talk about here. 24, and the floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So no matter how you see this, it's a blessing. You get blessed because there's no curse on the people that um, partake of this latter rain anointing this uh, fullness of Christ, so on and so forth. We received the fullness from the beginning. That's our confession. I don't live anymore. Christ lives in me, right? So, um, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent against you. So, This represents the curse. God sent the curse. Read Deuteronomy 28. If you don't believe it, you don't believe the Word of God. He sent the curse to drive men to Him. And the curse is, of course, upon uh, all of our disobedience and all of our rebellion against His Word and so on. So we've all been devoured by the curse. And God's got a cure. This is... This restoration here is the cure. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and you shall praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, a time of God dealing wondrously with us. And my people shall never be put to shame. How awesome. So this is the restoration that the book of Acts talks about. How he must be received into heaven until the time of the restoration of all. Things was added in there. He wasn't talking about things, he was talking about people. The restoration of all. Okay, all those elect, all those foreseen from the foundation of the world, etc. Right? Um, and also, I'll remind you that we just had a wonderful dream that Tiana had and shared with us about the restored DNA. It didn't say that in the dream, but we can look at it and see it. it fulfills all the verses we're talking about. She said in the dream she visited uh, us and, um, you know, because she's on the other side of the pond, right? She visited us and said, David looks so very young. And his skin was completely clear, no wrinkles or blemishes, and everything was physically perfect. Physically perfect? Wow, that's a restoration there. I turned and I looked to my other side and I saw Vanessa Weeks. She too looked so young and ageless with perfect skin. Her skin was more beautiful than any skin I've ever seen. And Eve also looked so young and ageless. There were no wrinkles or anything, and her skin was just pure. Well, that's a restoration, praise be to God. And um, the angels told us about that, uh, about our DNA restoration. And I asked them when the angels appeared to us, I asked them, what does the coming restoration involve personally? I said, 30 years younger? With a question mark? <laughs> the angel Jeruel said, Restoration on a DNA cellular level. Faith and power will be imputed to receive healing and restoration. It will be complete restoration, not partial. I remember Sandy's dream that she had, that uh, all of us here at uh, local UBM, and of course I'm sure it goes far beyond that, but that was the dream she had. uh, All of us got healed. Everybody got healed. And uh, even the doctors in her dream were, were speaking about it, right? Everybody got healed. Well, this is that complete restoration. And uh, the angel said, it will be complete restoration and not partial. The first fruits are first. They will be the trailblazers. There will be a mighty supernatural outpouring of spiritual restoration of closeness to God through His Holy Spirit. And when we look in the mirror, and by faith we see Jesus' reflection. We are expecting this DNA to be manifested in our bodies. Amen? So it's ours now. We receive it by faith now. And uh, we know that there is a coming, wonderful manifestation of Christ in us. But we need to believe it Now? You know, you believe it to receive it. Everything doesn't just come automatically. It comes because you believe it, right? So, uh, and the verses that we've talked about here, they all speak of this. And uh, many more all speak of this. Uh, unto the fullness of God, the Bible talks about, right? Uh, coming into His image completely. But we need to believe it Now. And uh, when we realize this, it can go a long ways towards overcoming the temptations to act on the symptoms of sicknesses and uh, degeneration and the curse uh, that we experience, right? Well, God is preparing us to be immune to the judgments of this world. If you're not under the curse, you're not under the curse. It doesn't matter what men throw at you. Uh, Even when the symptoms come, you can deny them. You can cast them down because you know and believe what we're talking about here. So God's preparing us to be immune to these judgments. As we can see in the book of Revelation, a good portion of the earth is destroyed through them. But there will be those that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And it seems to be a pretty good thing, you know. So when God fills us with his promises and renews our minds with his word, we are capable of receiving this gift. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that's what we're doing here. We're renewing the mind. We're being transformed. We're receiving His DNA. And uh, it trumps anything the beast can throw at you, right? That extra helix and all of that. So that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful, right? <laughs> so Jesus told us, in Luke 21 and 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. Well, I, I, I know we have some distress, but it's not like it's going to be, I would say, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, you can see the change there. There's a great uh, distress uh, a taking away of the peace of the whole earth. In these days, uh, things happen in the whole earth. Uh, have you noticed? Okay. So it goes on to say, in perplexity for the roaring of the sea and the billows. I think you can see that the roaring of the sea and the billows as being the anger of the nations against one another because the Bible tells us in Revelation 17 and 15 that the waters represent peoples, nations, and tongues. And, of course, uh, taking peace from the earth so that men slay each other uh, is uh, that curse in Revelation that we were speaking about. And it comes after the man-child appears. So... Obviously, the things that the nations are exporting around the world, such as terrorism and anarchy and plagues and so on, are making a lot of people fearful. And uh, I, hope we, I hope the fear of the Lord returns and people run to Him for His shelter, right? His secret place of the Most High. Luke 21 and 26 says, Men fading for fear, fainting for fear, and for the expectation of things which are coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. All right. Powers of the heavens. Well, that can mean more than one thing. We we know that there's an angelic war going on up there. And uh, also the planets, these powers that uh, control earth and so on and so forth. Behind them, of course, is our almighty God. He designed all this for the powers of the heaven shall be shaken uh the king james uh translated it says men's hearts failing them for fear but the numeric pattern in the greek both show that fainting is a much better interpretation men fainting for fear and for expectation hmm so what is this expectation ah uh, It's believing in the curse, because you don't believe in the uh, DNA of Jesus, the life of Jesus that has been given unto you. You see, there's a lot of people in church that don't know the gospel. We're talking the gospel here now. This is the real gospel. They don't know this. And they're not growing, actually. Um, A lot of them are stagnant, and they're not growing because they don't have power from God, right? So, it's believing these things that are all a threat to you and seeing in your imagination all the terrible things that could happen to you because of them. That's why we're told to cast down imaginations. The devil prepares us to fail through our imaginations, our fallen imaginations. Some people think all imagination is bad. No, it's not. God created us with imaginations. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That's uh, an uh, imagination by faith. Imaginations can work through your faith to bring to pass things. You see things before you do things, right? You, You have mind pictures all the time when you think, right? God wants to change your mind pictures from the curse to the blessing. That's why we need this renewing of our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, again, people aren't dying because of the curse. The Lord took care of that. They're dying because of unbelief and fear, which looses the curse. Faith in the promises binds the curse. In every instance where you're put into a position of being threatened, remember that the devil and his army, and his angels, uh, see in both the spirit realm and in the physical realm. They coordinate their attacks on you to coincide with the things that you see with your eyes or the things you hear with your ears. Have you ever noticed that? You see something Uh, that could be a threat. You hear something that could be a threat and suddenly fear jumps on you. We we haven't received a spirit of fear, right? It's a spirit of fear that's awaiting an opportunity to coordinate with the things happening in the world, including the curse, uh, to put fear in you because then you run from the devil and you do not believe God, okay? That's it. One of his big cannons, really. So the imaginations in your mind about the things that could happen uh, are things that drag you down, cause, cause you to lose your faith. So they will pounce on you so that you are struck suddenly with this temptation of fear, right? You know, we think in pictures. And the devil will take you over with those pictures. He will put fear into you exactly as these verses are talking about. And you need to stop immediately and make war on him, realizing that this is not you. This is him, okay? If you realize it's him, you can stop, you can make war on him, and he will leave. That's what the Bible says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, right? So realize this is not you. Stop. Don't act on the fear that you have or the unbelief or the doubt. Don't act on those things. Make war on the enemy, and then you can act on faith, right? Uh and a lot of people are just taken away because of this, because of fear. They're uh, uh, driven to do things that would cause, bring about their death, like all the people going and taking the vaccine. Because what did they do? They knew what to do. They made you fear. So everybody that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't know him in the way of healing and deliverance, ran to take that, and now they're dying because it was the real threat. And then you will be at the mercy of the judgments that are around you. We've seen from the Scriptures very plainly that Jesus bore the whole curse upon Himself when He was on the cross, Galatians 3 and 13. And we've also seen in Romans 10 and 10, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. So, you need to confess Psalm 91 in the midst of the trouble. When there's an opportunity for you to give the devil authority to take you away, the gospel is the power of God to save the one who believes it. Romans 1 and 16. Okay? God gives us this authority over the devil, but we've got to maintain our um, our faith, Romans 1 and 16, right? Uh, in the midst of the trouble, uh, you make your confession because faith without works is dead, James 2 and 17. And whenever your actions are totally contrary to faith, the devil takes that as his authority. And Jesus told us, Verily I say unto you, what things soever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And what things soever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we are binding and loosing our, our today and our future, right? Matthew 18 and 18. We are doing it. We're doing it by agreeing with God and we're doing it by disagreeing with God. We are loosing the devil when we disagree with God and his promises. And uh, we're binding the angels of God who administer God's salvation to us in many forms, and all forms, uh, when we agree with God. And, um, and we bind them when we don't agree with God. It's that simple. Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. It is still the same today. So fight unbelief, right? So the devil is going to make war on the saints with the judgments that are coming upon the world. And and most people don't know that those judgments are coming upon the world not to hurt the saints but to deliver the saints because these judgments are going to separate the wheat from the tares. I love this revelation that was given to uh, Dimitri Dudeman. Uh, and it fits exactly what we're talking about here. The vision was given to Dimitri in May of 1993 when he was living in Oregon. And it describes our, our rights in Christ and how the blood is applied through casting down fear and doubt and speaking the promise, which is, of course, our sword of the Spirit. He said, It was getting dark. Then suddenly, it turned pitch black. (laughs) It's getting that way now, isn't it? Uh, It's interesting that we can uh, look around us right now and see that it is starting to get dark. And people are mentioning to me that they're seeing many things that they've never seen before. And they're seeing Christians... Lukewarm Christians turn towards darkness and uh, governments that have been taken over by the beast. And uh, He went on to say, it was as if the whole world had gone dark at that moment. I think we're on the verge of that darkness coming. It will be great tribulation, and we need to be ready for it. We need to not waste our time. We need to have our armor on. That's right. And Dimitri went on to say, All the people were in a frenzy. They became disoriented. And some were even screaming. Well, that sounds a lot like the uh, verse we just read in uh, Luke 21, right? So after some time, he said, we heard the sound of an army approaching. And I believe this is talking about the devil's army multitudes of demon spirits that make war on the saints and also inhabit men who physically make war on the saints. And we call them the beast, right? There's the body of Christ and there's the body of Antichrist. There's only two men in the earth, Jesus said. Okay. So soon uh, we saw them coming out of the black mist, All were dressed in black except for one. That one seemed to be their leader. He was dressed in a red robe with a thick black belt over his waist. And on his head he had a sign. And as I looked, I saw that in his hand he held the same kind of sharp spear as everyone else in his army he said i am lucifer i am the king of this world i've come to make war against the christians well this war is uh he's all it's always been here but he's coming in a major way in the coming days and the only shelter we have is to abide in the secret place of the most high right? abiding in him is a place of safety Amen. Uh, the darkness is covering the earth, and this war is about to start big time. He went on to say, It looked as though all the Christians were huddled together in one big group. Some began to cry when they heard this. Others began to tremble, while some just stood without saying anything. So, what is this that's already happening to God's people in this revelation? It's Satan's warfare against them. They're they're crying, they're trembling, they're fearful because of the threat that they can see, and what is the devil's army? It's those spirits that attack your mind, spirits such as fear and doubt and uh, grief and condemnation and lust and hatred and unforgiveness and rejection, and addictions of different kinds, and occultic things, and thefts, and lying, and and on and on, right? Everybody has trials with these spirits making war against them as the spirits seek to bring them into their realm. Well, praise the Lord that we've been delivered of this by Jesus Christ, and all the promises that are given to us in the Word of God are what we can use as a, our sword to set each other free that, because we are ministers of reconciliation. That that means we minister this reconciliation, this exchange in other people's lives. We share with them the gospel, which enables them to take part in this, right? So, uh When they saw Satan's army coming in great force, many people trembled and were fearful and some didn't do anything because they weren't moved by what they saw. And our training as sons of God, which the Bible says the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, our training teaches us to walk by faith in the Word and not be moved by what we see and what we feel and what we hear. Those are things that the devil uses to make us fear and to make us run from him. If you run from him, he will stab you in the back. <laughs> okay, uh, Lucifer continued to speak. All of those that want to fight against my army and think they can be victorious go to the right. (laughs) Of course, the right is where they belong. Obviously, that's where the sheep go, and uh, they go to the right. And if you're not convinced that you can be victorious against Satan's army, it's because you don't have enough of the Word of God in your mind to really do warfare with him. We have to have on that helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6 and 17. That means your mind is protected. We have to have the knowledge of the fact that we are protected. We are delivered. It is finished. Jesus has overcome the world. The only thing left is for us to enter into those works that were finished from the foundation of the world like Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 talk about. So how do we do that? We enter into those works by faith. Everything that Jesus did, the body of Christ is going to do. John 14 and 12. He had victory. He knew he could conquer Satan. Satan trembled before him because Jesus knew who he was. He was a Son of God, and He is the only begotten Son of God, in whom we too are sons. And Jesus said in John 20 and 21, Peace be unto you, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. If you know who you are, and you know that God says, uh, or what God says about you, The devil trembles before you. But he can convince a lot of people who justify themselves and who are not really believers of the Word of God. They're believers in their religion, which, you know, they slice and dice the Word of God all the time to to give you just what they have experienced. But we don't want what they experienced. We want what Christ experienced, right? So the devil said... All of those who want to fight against my army and think that they can be victorious go to the right. And those that fear me go to the left. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out who's a leftist and who's a rightist, right? Why Why does God uh, permit this war? He is permitting this war to separate the sheep from the goats because there's a lot of people talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk, and they can't really... Believe the gospel. They got uh, a lot of moralizing in their churches, but the moralizing is not the gospel. Uh, The gospel is to have Jesus live in you a righteous life. Yeah. So in these end times, the Lord says that he's going to spew the lukewarm out of his mouth. Revelation 3 and 16. He's not going to have any fence riders you're going to be in uh, either one camp or the other so this warfare of the devil against the church is going to bring the separation and notice what he says next only about a quarter of the group stepped to the right wow a quarter of the group stepped to the right now let me say uh that during the tribulation there's going to be people changing sides. I'm talking about people who say they are Christians and are going to find out that they aren't. they're going to be changing sides because they can see there is no hope in the direction that they're going. they're failing, they're sick, etc., etc. so only a a quarter of the group step to the right that means three quarters of what were called Christians in this revelation were no threat to the devil. He was going to conquer them, and he knew it. And that, again, is is what's happening throughout history, but it's going to happen in a big-time way in the end. All the others went to the left. That was three-quarters of them who went to the left because of fear. They didn't believe the word of God, which says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. They did not believe the word of God. They had no faith. And therefore, the devil knew he could take them down. So those of them who thought they would be victorious over Satan were only a quarter of the Christians. And I don't think that this is really a stretch at all Even today, there are very few people who are actually chasing Satan and the rest are all being chased by him, which is exactly what the Bible tells us. Luke 11 and 21 says, When the strong man, fully armed, guardeth his own court, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, He taketh from him his whole armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. So verse 23 says, he that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So you're either chasing the devil, taking what belongs, what he thinks belongs to him, um, or you're running from him. All right. Then Lucifer ordered his army, destroy those on the right. Ooh. The army began to advance and quickly surrounded the Christians on the right. Well, remember, that's the smaller group, the one quarter, right? And as they began to close in on us, a powerful light appeared and encircled us. Then the angel of the Lord spoke. Oh, no, there's those angels talking to us again. <laughs> so people don't believe it. angels don't talk to you anymore like they did all the way through the Bible, right? Take out your swords and fight. Defend yourselves, the angel said. Be victorious over the enemy. What swords? A man in the group asked. The word of the Lord is your sword, the angel answered. Yes, take out your sword and fight and be victorious over the enemy. The devil can do nothing against it. There is no weapon that he can use to defend against your sword, which is the word of God. It is the true word of God, and it cannot be denied. It will fulfill the purpose that God sent it, kind of like Luke one thirty-seven. but we have to use it. You can give in to the temptations of fear and doubt uh, that the devil fires at you in the midst of the fiery trial, or you can fight. Be sure to confess your sins, 1 John 3.21 says, so that the devil can't use condemnation against you. Because... Then you can swing your sword with bold faith, and you will win. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God gave us not a spirit of fearfulness, but of power and love and discipline, or a sound mind, as some versions say. The word uh, translated as discipline comes from the Greek sophron, meaning of sound mind, self-controlled, balanced so any fear that comes against you is from the devil. It's not from God. Jesus told us that we should fear only God. The fear of the Lord is good because every child should fear that their father will spank them if they're going in the wrong direction. And that way we should always fear God. But the Lord isn't going to lead you by fear all the time. And if you feel that way, you're probably being moved by the devil. Right? You're probably feeling condemnation. There's no condemnation to them that are walking by faith in God, right? And the Scripture tells us in Romans 8 and 15, For you receive not the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So since God's method of leading his children is not fear, whenever fear comes upon you, you need to make war against it immediately. You need to stop whatever you're doing and don't act on this fear. Stop and do spiritual warfare against it. Cast down the thoughts that the devil is putting in your mind because that's what's causing the fear. Cast down those pictures that the devil is putting in your mind and make the war against that spirit, because otherwise you you will he will conquer you. Yeah. Uh, you may have all the knowledge that you need, but you won't be able to even hear it in the midst of this emotion of fear that has come upon you. So stop and make war. The devil can't stand before you if you use your sword. You don't necessarily have to quote the Word of God to conquer the devil, but you have to agree with the Word of God, and you have to give the commands. Jesus said if you speak to the mountain and you don't doubt in your heart that what you say will come to pass, you will have what you say, right? So speak the Word. The devil knows if you speak a word of faith, there's nothing he can do. So, you have to know what the Word of God says in order to speak in agreement with the Word of God. So, if you're not sure about what the Scriptures say, you need to spend more time in the Word and less with all the trinkets and baubles of the world, right? So, uh, Dimitri went on to say, when we understood what the angel meant, we began to quote verses from the Bible. Then suddenly, as if we were one voice, we began to sing a song. That's the thing about songs. They bring people into one accord. And there's power in agreement. Jesus promised us in Matthew 18 and 19... I just shared with you 18. Now, this is 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. So, you see, uh, power is multiplied when more people agree on the same word of God, right? And verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Notice the context here. I mean, that doesn't mean you're going to a church out there that, that uh, quotes a verse and then goes on talking about all their theories. That's not at all the truth. You know, the truth is the people who have faith, the people who are speaking faith and living faith, Jesus is in the midst Well, what happens when there are more than two or three of you in agreement? Like Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says, How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had delivered them up? So one will chase a thousand and two will chase ten thousand. You see that? One will chase a thousand and two chase ten thousand. That's quite a multiplication of power. So it's a, a blessing for us to be in agreement with other people and with the word of God. And that's one reason we are commanded to come together, and not as the custom of some uh, who withdraw, you know, from true disciples. Uh, I would say withdraw from a dead church because it's going to water you down to where the The devil will not be afraid of you. You'll be in that three quarters on the left, right? So anyway, that's why God has given us his word. And of course, it does no good if you're in agreement with a lot of apostates because no matter how large a group they might be, you still will have no power. The devil is going to show us this. In in uh, Demetrius' revelation, he's going to conquer these people. The devil wants to make war, and he wants to take out the people who are a threat to him. He'd like to take out their physical life, and he'd like to take out their spiritual life, because they're doing him damage, right? So he will make war on you, but he's not able to do anything that God doesn't permit him to do. God's laid down the law. The devil knows what it is. He obeys the rules. Read Job if you don't believe that. He knows he has to obey the rules. He he comes at you when you uh, permit him to do this. What you bind is bound in heaven. What you loose is loosed. When you permit him to do this because of your thinking or because of your spoken words, uh, then he will... Wreak havoc, right? So God permits the devil to come and try us in order to build our faith. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We have to be, t- we have to go through these trials. We have to uh, overcome the test, right? Faith is like a muscle. If you if your faith isn't tried it's not going to get stronger. We go through things to try our faith, and in the process we also learn how to quickly pull out our sword and use it to conquer the enemy. Amen. So, Demetrius said, So the smaller group began to quote verses from the Bible, and they began to sing a song. Our voices thundered so loudly that the dark army began to retreat. Yeah. So, these are the people on the right. These are the sheep, not the goats. There's lots of goats that go to church. And the devil goes to church. (laughs) So, they did not have the courage to come against us anymore. Lucifer, filled with rage, turned to those on the left. And those on the left are the three-quarters majority of the Christians. You who all your life have been trying to please two masters because you could not stand against me, I have the power to destroy you. You see, uh, those lukewarm people that stand in two camps, they won't have power against Satan. He said, I have the power to destroy you. And he knows what he's talking about. He's been uh, given that power to destroy people who are in unbelief. And in these end times, we have very little time to learn to walk in the kingdom of God. So we need to spend our time wisely. Redeem the time, as the Bible says, right? Amen. Uh So... Satan's going to be cast down. He knows he has a short time left, Revelation 12, 9, 12. He's going to fight furiously. He and his army and the people whom they inhabit are going to come against us with great fury, but we have a weapon that they can't resist. The problem is that far too many of God's people don't use that weapon They don't use the promises of the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, right? So the Word is our sword, and the demons cannot stand up to that. And we see here that those people who all their life tried to serve two masters, they had no protection. They tried to serve both self and the Lord. They were double-minded. They were found to be lukewarm and there was no protection for these people. Revelation 3 and 16. Uh, I just let you know right now that you need to get your armor on. You need to be on fire for God and you need to learn to fight. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now, what Would Paul command us to do something we couldn't do? No. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's got wiles. He's been at this a long time. He's very tricky. But the more you close all those loopholes with the scripture, uh, the less power he's got. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Mm-hmm. Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having gird your loins with truth, Well, go to the Word of God for that. Uh, I tell people, go and read the Word of God before you go out there and choose a church that is not a church. There are many fakes out there. They pick and choose what verses they want to agree with, and they never agree with the words that speak of the crucified life. All right. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and withal taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. You know what fiery darts do, right? They go in, they start a bonfire, and you can't put it out. Men, it's better to quench it before it comes in. So in this revelation, when Lucifer said, I have the power to destroy you, uh, who gave him that power? They did. They're the ones who have authority on earth to bind or to loose. And here they have loose Satan because of their unbelief, their double-mindedness, and their lukewarmness. He then ordered his army to attack, and it was a total massacre, right? The ones on the left could not defend themselves, Dmitri said. So, could you imagine that three-quarters of Christianity could not defend themselves right now? I can let me say, the overwhelming majority of so-called Christianity, those that claim to be Christians, have not received His Holy Spirit as commanded in the Word. The Holy Spirit has power. The Holy Spirit gives us victory. And they have—they are not prepared to meet the devil. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they received this power, right? And then go. And guess what? How many preachers out there have ever received this power? The overwhelming majority have never received the Holy Spirit, though they claim they got it when they got saved, which is totally contrary to the Word of God. One by one, they all fell. This killing seemed to go on for a long time, Dimitri said. I believe that this killing is not just physical, but spiritual. And because of uh, many of these people are going to lose their eternal life. And after a while, we could actually smell the stench of the dead, he said. Why could they not be protected also? Someone asked. And the angel answered, because all their lives they have been lukewarm. Because of their hypocrisy, the true church has been blasphemed. Blasphemed um, is a word that means spoken against, yeah, and that's speaking of uh, the quarter who went to the right, the sheep, so they had been blasphemed, they had been accused by the world because of the hypocrisy of the false church and even accused by the false church. Right, because that's what happened all through the Scriptures. It was God's people who killed all the prophets and Jesus himself. And so the three-quarters of the people who went to the left uh, were taking part in this. And uh, so Demetrius went on to report, They have brought disrespect to the Word of God. Well, it's true. Today, we see people just scoff at the Word of God. Even Christians scoff at the Word of God. So, in the midst of a trial, you may share the Word of God with them, but they choose to cling to an idol, and the stronghold in their mind will bring them down. They'll choose their idol instead of 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it's necessary to read the Word and write it on your mind, right? Satan has been able to set up a stronghold in their mind because they're worshiping false Jesuses. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, he says, If he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or if you receive a different spirit which you did not receive, or if a different gospel which you did not accept, you do well to bear with him. So that false Jesus can't save you because he's not the Word of God. The true Jesus is the Word of God. The true Jesus is our sword. He can save. He will save all those who respect Him. And all through the Old Testament, God warns us about the dangers of worshiping idols. <clears throat> and it's sad that so many Christians today worship a Jesus that does not exist. Their Jesus is nothing more than demons. Demons. They have set up as their idols. And, of course, this cannot save. Satan does not cast out Satan, as Jesus told the Pharisees. You know, they're still calling the works of Jesus um, of the devil. They still do it. Matthew 12 and 26 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casteth out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? Amen. So if you're following, worshiping, and putting your faith in a false Jesus, he will not save you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Therefore you must go to the book to find your Jesus. Don't go to some Bible school graduate who is passing on what he learned in Bible school and had to tell them that what he what they wanted to hear, or he wouldn't have graduated, right? So Antichrist means not only against Christ, but also in the place of Christ. The devil likes to replace the real Jesus with the false Jesus because that way, when you put your trust in him, he will fail you. And this is what's going on to happen in these days to come. According to Demetrius' dream, three-quarters of the church is going to have their Jesus fail them. God doesn't answer when you trust in your false Jesus because then you would be giving credit to your false Jesus. And other people would trust in this false Jesus too. I told a man one time when he failed um, that he was believing in a false God. And if God would have given him victory, it would have given credit to his false God. So, If you're failing, go back, get into the Word, find out who the real Jesus is. So when that happens, when their false Jesus fails to save them, people accuse God. They complain, but I believed. Well, no, that's not what the Lord said. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you receive them and you shall have them. You shall have them. Who are you going to believe, right? Right? No, they didn't believe, because their faith was in a false Jesus who couldn't save. Satan will never cast out Satan. The angel went on to say, of those who were killed by Lucifer's army, they were not clean. So you have no authority to swing the sword unless you're clean. It's not those that are hearers of the Word that are justified before God, but the doers of the Word. How do you get to do the Word? Because you believe God. He empowers you. Right? These signs will accompany them that believe. So believers have signs. Go and read what Jesus said about believers, how you can identify them, because He's the one qualified to tell us. So you're not clean if you're listening to unbelief or if you're listening to a false Jesus. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You wonder what Bible is are these people reading, you know, sometimes, you know. So the devil conquers those people who are walking in sin and rebellion and defilement. Even though they intellectually know all about faith and how it works, they're not able to use their faith. It takes faith to swing the sword. If you're unholy, the devil will pick that point of uncleanness to jump on you and condemn you so that you can't have faith. So, Demetrius said, as we continued to look, we saw the sun coming over the horizon. (laughs) There he is, right? (laughs) I think that represents the coming of the Lord. Um, He went on to say, the black clouds began to break up and then they disappeared. Only one was left, the one on which Lucifer and his army stood. Hmm. Lucifer looked at me, shaking his fist, and said, I will destroy you even if I have to throw my spear at you from here. Then that cloud disappeared too. As I looked around, I began to see faces that I recognized from among our group. I saw a pastor from Bellflower and another from Indiana and one from Michigan, as well as many of my American friends. The first thought that came to my mind as I woke was that this had been the last fight of the devil against the church. And if we remain faithful, he will be victorious. Yes, amen. So if we submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee. Submitting to God, you only know you're doing that if you're reading the Word of God, putting it in your heart, and uh, enjoying serving him, fearing the Lord, and having faith in the Lord. Amen. So get ready. Put on your armor because this battle, um, this last war against the church is coming at us right now. Revelation 13.1 says, And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. <clears throat> That's the sea of humanity having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns ten diadems, and upon his heads names of blasphemy. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And there was given unto him authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. So the beast that's warring with the saints here is made up of all the fleshly vessels whom this army from the pit inhabits. So this awesome revelation that demetrius had shows us very clearly that if you don't walk holy before God, your faith is going to fail you. 1 John three nineteen. Hereby shall we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our heart before him so you have to have this assurance in your heart if you're going to do battle with the devil he knows everything about you verse 20 goes on because if our heart condemn us god is greater than our heart and knoweth all things so if you're condemned by what you know about yourself just think what god knows about you right Psalm 139, 1 through 24 tells us about that. However, if you're walking with the Lord by faith, it's only the things that you know about but don't do that he holds against you. It's not the things that you don't know. The devil tells you that all the time. Because James 4, 17 says to him, therefore, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So believe God's word. I hear people all the time, they go right back to where they were. Oh, something I'm not doing right. Well, yeah, there's one thing you're not doing right. You're not justified by faith. Your faith in what you see in that mirror, Jesus Christ, uh, justifies you. You're accounted righteous until God does it in you, right? Of course, if you're walking in rebellion against the Lord, then your sins are not covered. Hebrews 10:26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Some preachers actually preach, "Yeah, go ahead and sin, God'll forgive you." No. They never read this verse. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fierceness of fire. which shall devour the adversaries because these people are adversaries to God. Willfully rebellion. Now, Uh, failure uh, is a different story. Uh, Mistakes, that's a different story. Ignorance is a different story. Uh, God covers all of those things. But willful disobedience, you're going to get a whipping. That's what he says. Some people have gotten whipped severely. (laughs) Some people uh, passed out of this world because of the whipping that they got. And that's a terrible thing. Because they died in sin. So, in this case, um, you have no assurance in your heart. So, the first time you get into trouble and you try to swing your sword, the devil's going to jump on you like a mad dog. He's going to remind you of all your sins. And then, you're not going to have any faith. Because you don't understand justification by faith. Right? Right? First John 3 and 21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Amen. So, you know, we uh, all have people who depend upon us, friends and relatives and people uh, of whom we're, we've prayed Uh, our children, and all these are our responsibility. The Scripture says in Romans 14 and 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and none dieth to himself. So you know what? When you go down the drain, you usually take some folks with you, right? The Lord wants to use us to save others, and the day is coming when God is going to need you as a vessel of honor in the midst of many people. He is going to need you to save, to deliver, to bring the gospel, and so on. So, like never before in history, we need to repent and be sanctified. We need to walk holy before the Lord the Bible says in Romans 6 and seven and 11, Even so, reckon ye yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. In other words, consider it done. That's what faith is. So, you see, the Lord has already delivered us by faith, and he uses our faith to manifestly deliver us and set us free and give us authority over the enemy, Right? He uses the word of God in our mouth, which is our confession, to manifestly deliver us from the power of sin. God is the one, Colossians 1 and 13, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So it happened at the cross, and we need to confess it, and we need to believe it that he delivered us out of their power. They have no power. The strong man has been bound. And he says, plunder him. And he says, if you don't plunder him, you will flee. So we need to confess him before men. So in the midst of the fiery trial is not the place for you to start trying to find out in the Scriptures where you have this authority, you know. And if you're walking in willful disobedience, you're going to get it and you'll have no authority over it because you have no sacrifice. So we won't have any faith to swing our swords in the case like that. Psalm 91 and 7 says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. How awesome. He's talking about the person who is not afraid, the person who is in the secret place of the Most High because of their faith. He's talking about the person who is confessing that faith, the faith of Psalm 91. When he says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, do you think that some of those are Christians? Absolutely. Look how many are dying to the plague now. God told us that He was going to judge apostate Christianity before these plagues started, three years before they started, as a matter of fact. He was going to judge apostate Christianity, and He's going to use the beast to do it. And the beast conquers uh, the apostates according to the scriptures with plagues, with pestilences. Yes. So it's happening. And by the way, um, it's also judging the leftists. The leftists who are the most antichrist of the world. um, They're going down at a far greater rate because they trust in their government who made the plagues. (laughs) So... At least some of these people uh are what we call christians and it's it's sad the Lord cries when when this happens, and we do too. A multitude of people obviously aren't prepared for what's about to come but because they're only prepared to fly away they 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 are not prepared to stay you know um God can use your witness to them. And, you know, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. You know, share the, the real good news with them. You can share the true gospel with many people who don't know the true full gospel. The full gospel, of course, is that gospel that goes with power, right? Other people have rejected the full gospel, and they are not prepared to swing their sword at all. They don't do deliverance in their church. They don't cast out demons in their church. They might offend somebody. They might offend a tither. Yeah. So remember that someone in, in the Revelation had to ask, what swords? So before you go to battle, you ought to know what your sword is. You ought to know how to swing it. And you ought to be experienced in using it because Romans 1 and 17 says, The righteous shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. You're not guaranteed that life. You're only guaranteed it if you believe. Amen? So we don't have any choice. The devil's not going to ask us if we want to make war with him. He's already making war with us. The people who are abiding in the secret place of the Most High, which is Jesus Christ, are ready to swing the sword. And they do it every day. And they have repented of uh, their sins and confessed their sins, and therefore they are bold in their faith, right? Amen. So there's got to be some repentance, you know, of God's people, and I believe judgments are going to bring this. And uh, it's sad, but it's true. I've heard people say, usually from the non-spirit-filled groups, that Psalm 91 is for the millennium, or something silly like that, as if it's not true for us right now. Well, because they don't believe it's true, then it's not true for them. That's the facts. Well, if you believe that, you, you have no sword. You're going to be in the three quarters group that goes down to the left and is wiped out by Satan. And if you don't believe in the full gospel, the power of the Spirit of God, how can you escape? How can you fight a spirit? except the Holy Spirit is with you. If you don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the promises of the Word of God, how can you escape? How can you escape the pestilence that walketh in darkness or the destruction that wasteth at noonday? Do you know enough of the Word of God to know that it's your right to escape these things? If you don't, you're not going to escape. Jesus said in Matthew 9 and 29, According to your faith be it done unto you. And in Matthew 8 and 13, As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So Jesus saw the faith in people. Matthew 9 and 2 says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. So they were showing their faith by their works. Amen. And Jesus saw this. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man hath authority on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed, and go up unto thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority unto men. Notice the preachers didn't like it, (laughs) but the multitude saw and were converted. Hmm. So he had the authority to administer the blessing when he saw the faith. The faith he saw was in actions. It wasn't just words. It wasn't just theology in somebody's head. He saw the actions. Romans 10 and 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there's an action there that's necessary. So we need to be prepared. The war is coming. It's not going to wait on you, and it's not going to wait on me. It's coming. It will be on time. If Joshua and Caleb, um, who believed the good report, uh, had victory because of that, and if you believed the bad report, which the rest of the spies, that's the majority, right, uh, came back and spoke, and you uh, begin to speak in agreement with them uh, instead of the word of God, you will be like those people who did not worry about the giants. Numbers 14 and 9 says, Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. And this is speaking of the giants in the promised land. For they are bread for us, Their defense is removed from over them. Notice that. Their defense is removed from over them. It's the same today. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You will be among those people who make it through the wilderness. You'll be among those people who enter into the promised land in your body. That's what they did. Numbers 14 and 30 says, Surely you shall not come into the land... Concerning which I swear that I would make you dwell therein. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Well, notice, some people say God can't take his word back if he says something, you know. uh, If he says you're saved, you're always going to be saved because he can't take his word back. Well, notice, he swear that he would make them dwell therein. But it was only Caleb and Joshua who entered in, you know. The rest did not. They died in the wilderness. Well, how can God make a promise like this? He does it all the time. Those promises are all in the Word, and they're ineffective unless you believe them and act on them. That's his part of the covenant, and that's our part of the covenant. Unless you believe them and act on them, you're not going to have it. So they say it's they blame God. It's not God. It's the unbelief in the people that fails them. So we're constantly being tried by the devil. If we see everything as a test, we'll be more careful. But people don't even think that way. We're constantly being tried. So these horror stories in their head about what would happen to them because they couldn't see any water or uh, other supply around them as they went into the wilderness, you know. They got fearful, and the devil was constantly making war in their minds, and he was beating them up badly. And they, some of them wanted to go back to Egypt, you know. Live by the flesh pots. And that's what they do, most of them, most of them do that. So, if we're going to the same place, the Lord calls it the wilderness, it's also called the tribulation in Revelation 12 and Revelation 17. Uh, We're going to the same place. That's where war is going to be made on the saints. And that's where a separation is going to be made too. That's where a separation of uh, the hot from the lukewarm and the cold, the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, it's going to be made there. Psalm 91 and 7 says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not, shall not, come nigh unto thee. Yes. Uh, what makes the difference between those who are taken out and those who remain is something that we shouldn't leave out. That's Hebrews 4 and 1. Leave us fear. Let us fear, therefore, lest happily a promise being left of entering into his rest. Any one of you should seem to have come short of it. So, what is the Lord doing here? All of the promises Bring us into the rest because the promises make us confident in God and what He said He would do. And if we leave any of these promises out and uh, out of our equation, out of our belief system, you know, if we leave them out, there's something that is going to cause us to fail there. Now, maybe you won't fail somewhere else because you're believing the promise, but if he said we should fear, lest a promise being left out, you know, uh, so that we don't we enter fully into His rest is what He's talking about. The Lord is is telling us to fear that we're not appropriating all of the promises of God, all of the Word of God, because God created this to be our defense. Now, religions uh, do this; they pick and choose verses. And they make up reasons why they can do that. And, of course, if you examine them, you'll find that you can't find that in Scripture. The sum of thy words is truth, the Bible says. That doesn't mean pieces and parts of it are the truth. And it really doesn't hold up to somebody that's got any sense in the Bible. So, for indeed we have had good tidings preached unto us, not just good tidings, but awesome tidings. You know, there are promises for any problem in the Bible. Mark eleven twenty four is one of those that covers it all. Therefore I say unto you, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you received them. It's past tense, and you shall have them. Believe that you received them. because you received it at the cross, you see. It was all done there. It's all past tense. So if you can't remember one that fits your particular problem, Jesus gave us those catch-all promises that you can use, like that one. And um, we've had these good tidings preached unto us. And um, even as also they... But the word of hearing did not profit them because it was not united by faith with them that heard. Hebrews 4 and 2. So all those promises, we have to mix our faith with them, all of them, not culling any of them uh, like the religious people do or the dead denominations do. We have to, the sum of thy words is truth. And we have to give up this uh, picking and choosing um, because you, you're, you're not going to come into the fullness of Christ who is the Word of God, right? right. Uh, it does no good to just go to Sunday school and obey your church and go home and live the way you normally live and come back to church and get your fire insurance. <laughs> it's not fire insurance. It's not going to save you. Jesus didn't make Christians; he made disciples, which is a learner and a follower, right? So, who are we going to follow? The denominations? Look at all the denominations in Jesus's day. None of them believed him, and they still don't today. So, you need to go right directly to the Word of God, and and so you you learn. Um, what the true church looks like there. So don't even leave one of the promises out because all of the promises are made to make you um, immune from the curse and the devil. We who have believed do enter into that rest, even as he has said, As I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That's Hebrews 4 and 3. The works of God have already been finished. Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As soon as God spoke it, it was so. He spoke the end from the beginning, and he teaches us to do the same thing. That's Isaiah 46 and 10. He ordained a Savior before Adam ever fell. The whole plan was spoken into existence and nothing could stop it. It was so just because God said it. And everything that we see now that's coming to pass is coming to pass because God said it. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. And we have to enter into those works through faith in Jesus Christ, right? Faith in his promises because he is the word. The real Jesus is the word of God. The false Jesus is picking and choosing Jesus, you know, which promises I want and which ones I don't believe and what uh, judgments I don't believe and so on and so forth. We have to be a vessel of honor. So one quarter of the Christians <laughs> that conquer Satan, they know they can conquer Satan. They went to the right. Or you can be in the three quarters that go to the left and are get taken out. Many are called, but few are chosen. Calling The calling is an invitation to partake of all that Christ is. That's what the calling is. And if you get stuck in some dead denomination, you are not going to partake of all that Christ is because you don't believe it's necessary. Let everyone that says they abide in Him walk as He walked. He is our example. So, they don't believe in the full gospel. You'll have to have that where you're going. You'll have to have the fullness of the gospel. They don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the gifts, like speaking in tongues. They talk against speaking in tongues, saying it's of the devil. How foolish. Foolish. Jesus said you wouldn't be forgiven for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, entering into this rest is total confidence in God. And we believe in His promises. We've read them and we believe them. And we're standing in faith. So Jesus gave us total victory over the enemy. He said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And he also said, Go ye therefore. So he delegated that authority. That doesn't leave any authority for the devil. All authority in heaven and on earth. So who gives authority to the devil? God's people. He said, Matthew 18 and 18, Verily I say unto you, What things soever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what things soever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. John 20 and 21, Jesus therefore said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, Even so send I you. So Jesus had authority from the Father because he overcame and sat down with the Father in his throne. And he told us if we would overcome and sit down with him in his throne, we would have that authority too. And when Jesus spoke, the devils trembled, not laughed. We need to humble ourselves to the Word of God. Amen. Amos 3 and 3 says, Shall two walk together except they have agreed? So if you want that same Jesus to live in you, to conquer your enemies, and to speak out of you, you have to swing your sword and do the works. Then you have to come into agreement with Him, right? So when we uh, read the Word of God, repent, change our minds, confess our sins, um, we're coming into agreement with Him. If we're uncomfortable, you know, basically for uh, confessing anything that's in the Word of God, uh, if you're uncomfortable repeating this, uh, this is how you know that you've been taken captive by a false religion. If you can't say what God says comfortably, you have not come into agreement with Him. I know many people will rebuke you for agreeing with the Word of God purely. and, and uh, But when you read the Word of God, if your conscience um, justifies you that you believe what it says and you don't mind speaking it and you don't mind believing it, If you're uncomfortable speaking it and believing it, you're not in agreement with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Amen? So, uh, there are strange children out there, you know, that don't look like their father, Hosea, grieved about in Hosea 5 and 7. They're strange children. They don't look like their father. Have you ever noticed what preachers think they have to look like to be a preacher? (laughs) And, uh, and, And what they have to have to be successful, you know. You know, success has nothing to do with how many people you've got under you. If that was true, the Catholic Church would be in the head. <laughs> really? Okay, so it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. And, and the big fancy churches, they got that too. Jesus didn't choose that method. He, as I say so often, he sat on a rock and taught his disciples. He wasn't impressed with men's religion. And when the disciples uh, said to him, look at, these, look at these fine stones, you know, look at this uh, temple we have here, you know. Jesus said there won't be one of those stones left. They're all going to be cast down. He wasn't impressed with the building. But what the building represents is the people and the people coming into agreement with God's word, which is our rock right so father we just thank you so much Lord for opening our eyes and delivering us from all of our religious backgrounds and uh, walk in agreement with you and we know we're doing it if we're agreeing with your word all of us all of your word. So, Lord, we're just asking you to grant us repentance from speaking and thinking contrary to you. We ask you to prepare us for these things that are coming upon the world. We know that you, uh, once again, are going to send your Son to straighten up the church, those that will listen, um. Yep, because Jesus said, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So, Lord, we know that the Lord is coming once again in this last revival, and these people are going to be quite unlike the um, preachers in the pulpit. They're going to be um, not necessarily dressing the same way, not being impressed with the same things, They will be just like Jesus, rebuking the status quo. That's what they're going to be like. And Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name to open your people's eyes because signs and wonders and miracles are going to come out of these people and are doing it now to some extent. All that have received the former reign have a right to walk in these miracles. And soon the latter rain will come, and the Lord will come along with it, according to Hosea 6, 2, and 3. The Lord is coming. So sit down and read your word. Get filled with the word of God. Jesus said in John 14 and 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So that's what a believer is. Oh, that all passed away with the apostles. What verse? There is none. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. John 7 and 38 to he that believeth on me as the scripture has said from within him shall flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believed on him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified and he also said in John six sixty three, "It is the Spirit that gives life; the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken unto you are spirit and are life." We can see when they when he said, "Except you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you." Uh, a multitude turned away from him. Yeah, Romans six sixty six. Um when your words agree with his words your words are his spirit right excuse me it was John 666 but Romans 6 is that story about um, being crucified with Christ and how he made you free from sin and uh, and if we're United with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also be of his resurrection. So, we we ha- we have come here to die. We have come here to take on the crucified life. Um, all who take up their cross and follow Jesus are called disciples, and we came here to die to self, including our religious self. Mm-hmm. Our religious self likes to argue with other people. uh, And there's no need in doing that. We just need to get into the Word of God and make sure we're agreeing with the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether we agree with other men or not. It only matters if we agree with the Word of God. So the devil is going to take out a lot of people. And we need to put on our Psalm 91, right? and uh, put on our helmet and our sword and our shield and, and uh, take this defense and take it to the devil, right? Don't wait till he brings it to you. Take it to him, right? He sent out the, the disciples in Luke 10 and 17, and the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in thy name. These signs will accompany them that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. That's right. So, this is our job. When you see people, you know, acting the way they do, uh, get into it. When I was a very young Christian, I started casting out demons because I read the Bible. Before that, I had no education in the Bible whatsoever. I read the Bible I saw that they were doing it. I saw that Jesus gave it to his disciples to do, and I started doing it. And the more I did it, the more understanding I gained by doing it. And the more confidence I gained by doing it. We are sent here to do the same thing Jesus did. His signs will be done in us. And in greater works than these shall he do. Right? And he said, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Nothing shall in any wise hurt you. Nevertheless, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We believe, Lord. We believe and we put our trust in you. We have this authority over all the power of the enemy. And uh, so many people are beaten down and they don't use the power. They don't speak the word. They don't believe the word and speak the word. And um, the devil is beating them. I say to all of you, you know, get into the word of God. Find out your position. Find out what Christians are because you can't tell by looking at people around you. Jesus uh, described what Christians were, you know. These signs will accompany them that believe, right? The same signs he did. So a Christian is one who is Christ-like. In other words, they do the same thing Jesus does. And uh, if anyone says they abide in him, Let him walk as he walked. Walking as he walked includes doing what he did, ministering as as he did, believing in the authority that he believed in, etc. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall in any wise hurt you, right? So we've got all these... um, plagues going around out there and we we see from the book of Revelation that this is not going to cease so be prepared and get ready your family needs you uh, the people of God out there and even the people that are going to come to, to God because of you need you so speak the truth only the word of God amen well thank you father for your goodness to us and your grace to us and Thank you for drawing us unto yourself and causing us to uh, be well-pleasing unto you. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the victory at the cross. We've already been given authority over the devil, over all of his power, and over all of the demon's power. We've already been given authority. Lord, help us to be confident and to go forth and to do. Thank you so much, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, saints, for joining us today. And we'll do it again sometime. God bless you and keep you. Amen.
0: I can quench my thirsting soul, pure as water, make me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into though the rivers rise, I still believe, for your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Sacred heart in you, I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. My Lord Jesus